Welcome to the Modern Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Parsons. I'm a certified holistic health coach, intuitive eating specialist, and health at every size advocate. Cozy up with me each week for empowering conversations with ambitious women as we share real stories around our relationships with food, body, and moving through life in the modern world. Hello. Welcome back. Happy week of Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving so much. At the time of this recording, I am in Charleston. Um, I'm with my husband's family. My sister-in-law lives here. And we decided to to make the trip. And it was a big decision, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I'm sure that you probably were faced with your own decision of how to spend this holiday this year, given all of the circumstances with COVID and being safe. And I, I just want to send you so much love during this time of year in the conditions that we're in right now. I, I know how emotional the holidays can be in general, and this year is no exception. Um, and it's even more emotionally heightened. And so I, I do hope that you're taking care of yourself and, and I'm so glad that you're with me today. I have a special bonus episode that I want to share with you. And I'm just really grateful to be able to share this episode because this is my personal story with my relationship with food and body image and and a lot of things. I, I was a guest on the Embracing Balance podcast with Victoria Yates and Katherine Herbison. And um, it it was just a great conversation. And I just am so grateful that they gave me the opportunity to share this story vulnerably. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things in this conversation um, and a lot of things that took me a very long time to be comfortable sharing. And so wherever you're listening to this, whoever you're listening to this with, or if you just need to press pause and come back to this conversation later, um, I just want you to know that you are supported and you are seen and you are heard. And I, I'm sharing this from the heart and to give you an opportunity to feel less alone in your own struggle with food or body image or any of the mental mind games that we play, especially during the holidays. Um, this one's for you, love. I, I shared my story of overcoming bulimia uh, the binge restrict cycle. And also I get into my patterns of orthorexia too. I I've had a food as medicine philosophy for a long time that really amped up my disordered relationship with food in a completely unexpected way. And so I, I talk a lot about that. Um, and one of the things that we get into in this conversation is binge eating specifically, but I really wanted to break this down so that you have some information around what this is, how it's different from overeating, and how to begin taking some steps to get support, overcome this, all of these things. I was having a conversation earlier today, and the term binge has just become so normalized in our culture. Um, you know, if you think about it, how many times do you use it in a week, whether you're referencing what you're watching on Netflix or the content that you're scrolling on social media or what you're eating? It, it's just become a very common word in our vocabulary. And it is confusing when we talk about it in terms of binge eating. You know, when I use this in my work, I don't work with women who suffer specifically with binge eating disorder. Um, that's outside of my scope of practice. And if I am working with somebody who has that diagnosis, I'm always working in tandem with a therapist, absolutely, um, possibly a dietitian or a nutritionist, just depending on the situation. But the capacity that I really support binging is the feeling of being out of control around food and the feeling of using that term, even if it's after a couple of slices of pizza or, you know, having a relationship with food that just feels chaotic and you don't have to justify that to anybody. You know, if that's you, you know, if you're going through that, it's really personal. Um, it's, it's a term that I really want to present 
to this conversation and really just lay it on the table so that we can meet each other in a very common space and have a deeper conversation around how to heal our relationship with food and our bodies. So I hope that you feel supported from this interview. I love these girls so much. They're actually doing a a swap on their podcast. So be sure to head over it and check them out as well too. Um, I had the awesome opportunity to interview Catherine and Victoria on the show a few episodes back. And so they're releasing their episodes as well. So definitely check them out. And they've got a great show as well too. One more thing before I let you go, enjoy this conversation as well as the holidays. We are doing something super duper exciting for the holiday season. And Shayla, who is our community manager and the podcast manager, love this girl so much. She truly breathes life into this podcast every single week. She's the backbone for all of this coming together. So shout out to Shayla. She had the idea of putting together a podcast gift away and created this awesome experience that we are sharing with you all starting December 1st. So what we're doing is collaborating with some of the guests that have been on the show. And this is all taking place over on Instagram. So each day on my Instagram, I'll be posting a featured guest. And what you would do to enter this gift away is follow the guest and write a podcast review on the Modern Girl Podcast. Once you write that review, just take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram, tag at Caitlin Parsons, and that's your entry into some of these amazing gifts that our guests are giving away. So I am really, really excited. I think this is going to be a super fun 12 days to just come together, reintroduce you to some of the guests, um, and just build community, have some awesome conversations. There's going to be a lot of fun little um, add-ons that we'll be doing over the next 12 days once we launch this gift away. And so make sure you are staying connected on social media, on Instagram specifically, so that you know exactly what's going on and you don't miss out. And we'll have more information for you there. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, love. I'm so grateful for you. And God, what a year, right? So many things to be grateful for, so many things to reflect on. So wherever you are right now, just take a moment, take a big breath, and just be grateful for exactly where you are right now. Welcome, Caitlin, to the podcast. Both Victoria and I are really just so excited to get to chat with you today and also to bring this conversation to our listeners. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and grateful to just be able to connect with your community and to get to know you guys better. This is awesome. I know. I know. I feel like I do this podcast selfishly because I really just want to talk to some amazing people. And it's just like, <laughs> Hey, like, do you want to come on the podcast? I've always wanted to chat with you. So <laughs> it's such a good excuse. And I can totally relate. I, it's one of the best parts about podcasting, just building these relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get started in our conversation, we love to ask a couple of fun questions for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So first question is, what is your favorite food or what is a food that you have been loving lately? Ooh, favorite food. My go-to response for this is always guacamole with really delicious tortilla chips. So really delicious tortilla chips. Do you have a specific brand in mind that you love or no. It's not a brand. It's just, I... I love like really thick, deep fried, salty tortilla chips. Like that is my jam with um, guacamole that's got a lot of lime and garlic and cilantro in it. That's just like something, I always call that my desert island food. I, I eat so much guacamole all the time and avocados and things like that. But that's, that's something that never gets old for me. I love it. Mm, I'm with you on the like thick, salty I'd like there's, I feel like there's some tortilla chips that aren't salty enough. 
Yeah, I I have no interest in an unsalted thin tortilla chip. Give me the thick, <laughs> deep fried. <laughs> That's what I love. <laughs> I'm so with you on that one. And I feel kind of weird. I'm like, these aren't salty enough, but there's like a perfect ratio. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Um, next question is, what does your ideal day look like? Oh, I love this question. So the first thing that comes to mind is getting up early, um, grabbing coffee, taking, taking a walk with my dog, and then hopping in the car with my husband and just hitting the road and going on an adventure somewhere. So sometimes we go hiking, sometimes we will drive up the coast to another little beach town and just explore. Um, and then from there, I, I really love spontaneous road trips. So we might, we might stop into some shops, we might grab food and just kind of meander our way back and then cozy up at night with a glass of wine and a movie and, um, and yeah, and chill. So oh. fun during the day and chill at night. Sounds perfect. So perfect. And I feel like where you are is like a perfect place to do all of those things because you can explore and yeah. get outside most of the year. And it's so. so much fun. Yeah. That I have so many different ideal days. I can I go with a plan B too, just quickly? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I love a good dinner party. So I love just kind of having a more chill day and then having friends over in the evening or the late afternoon and cooking and grabbing some drinks and playing games or talking and just having a night together. That's always super fun for us too. Mm, yes. I always thought it'd be super fun to have like an official like dinner party group. Yeah. yeah. And before COVID, I was already like thinking about it and dreaming about it. And then I haven't thought about it for a while, obviously, yeah. for obvious reasons, but I thought that would be super fun. Like a standing group where you get together yeah. every month. Yes. Yeah. Like every, yeah. every month and maybe there's a theme or I don't know, just, Ooh, yeah. So I'm planting some ideas in your head. So. <laughs> I'm into it. I love a good dinner party. <laughs> okay. Next question is where is a place that you would love to travel? Um, Brazil. Hmm. Have that's you been there before or? No, okay. no, that's next on our list though. Um, definitely, definitely Brazil. Awesome. Uh, and then last question is what is your favorite book or what is a book that you are reading right now? Oh, I love this question too. So this has been a summer of fiction books for me. And it's been so great with COVID. It really has been such a, a source of um, personal self-care because I need that adventure in my life. If you can't tell already, I, I love a good adventure, even if it's in my own backyard. But not having the access to go on adventures right now has been so challenging and so just really getting lost in a good fiction book has been my saving grace. <laughs> and so I'm so into the author, Lisa Jewell. Um, she's a British author and the way that she writes and the choice of words that she uses and her storytelling is just so great. It's beautiful. It's really unique. And a lot of her writing is suspenseful without being super scary. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's a really great way to just get lost and escape. Mm, yes. What are, what are some of the books, um, that she's written or what is a book? She has written girls in the garden. That is, that's a great book. Um, <laughs> just Google her. I knew you were going to ask me this and I'm like, of course I just totally <laughs> profess my love for her. And I can't think of any of the actual titles. I'm really horrible with remembering titles and names. So the fact that I actually remembered her name is, is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always game for a good, just like page turner book. Um, oh yeah. So I'll, that's, it's good to hear about. That's one reason yeah. we asked this question is so we can get book ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about yourself, Caitlin. And we just want to jump into 
hearing about your story, who you are, um, what you're doing, um, and just having a conversation around that. So let's just start off. Could you share with us your story? Um, I know that you have overcome a lot and learned a lot, and that has impacted what you do today. So share your story and how that has impacted you and in, in, in what you're doing right now. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for just giving me the opportunity to share this. And I, before I get into my story, I want to just start by saying that the story keeps getting longer and longer because I'm never done learning. I'm, mm. I'm on this journey of self growth. And that's something I'm really upfront about whenever I'm working with somebody in my communities um, so that I can be an encouragement to everybody else who is on this path as well too. There's always going to be a next level. There's always going to be a new chapter. And so, um, so I, I just want to say that because I feel like sometimes we get into storytelling and then we get to the end, I made it all these things and it's so not the case. And so mm. I'll share, but that's, that's what I, I want to lead with. And, and thank you again for just giving me this this time to um, to let your listeners into all of this. Hmm. So my story actually starts out when I was um, <laughs> when I was a baby. I was born, <laughs> <laughs> um, and to just wrap it up before we get super long into that, I was I was diagnosed with. Um, a really severe milk allergy when I was a baby. When I was six months old, I uh, had a really crazy allergic reaction to dairy. And from the time I was uh, six months until I was about seven years old, I wore a gold bracelet everywhere um, to let everybody know that I was highly allergic to any type of dairy products. And it's really interesting to reflect on that because it was my first experience with restriction without ever realizing it. And I'll come back to why that's important in just a moment. But from pretty much out of the womb, I wasn't allowed to eat a very specific group of food. And back then, there was very limited dairy, non-dairy products on the market. Veganism wasn't trendy. <laughs> Hardly anybody knew, you know, about like non-dairy options and things like that. And so it was really challenging. Uh, it was, it was always a struggle to go to a party and, or a kid's birthday party or a school lunch and just really be hyper vigilant that I wasn't eating anything that had dairy in it. So when I was given the green light to actually eat dairy. I was on top of the world. It was like all of the mac and cheese, all of the pizza, all of the ice cream, everything. And, and it's really interesting because, um, it was my first experience with just giving myself full permission to eat, but also that, almost that binge effect of just the floodgates opening up and just almost like coming up for air and, and trying to eat everything that you could because it's been restricted for so long, which is so, uh, so common in the restrict binge cycle. So at the same time, I was, I was so young, like that was such an innocent experience and I had no concept of body image at that time. And I was so naive in my body, like most kids are. Um, and it wasn't until I got into middle school that I, I really realized that that meant something. Um, being a woman in this culture and body size and shape and just the judgment and criteria that go along with that actually was a conversation. And I'll never forget, I going into middle school, I always, I always tell this story of being so excited to go to middle school and just get a locker and pass notes in the hallway and have a backpack and all these things. And uh, it was the first time that I had shopped in the junior section of a department store. And of course the sizing is different there. So I, I bought a pair of 
uh, I bought several pairs of pants and then friends and I were comparing afterwards. And it was the first time I realized that I was a bit bigger than most of my friends. So I went on my first diet and it was uh, really innocent, really harmless, quote unquote, I would say. I basically was was usually using restriction that escalated into something more intense over my entire middle school phase. And eventually that restriction led to bulimia um, at the end of end of middle school. It was kind of my breaking point where I, I just, my body couldn't take it anymore. And the binge happened again, which is really interesting because like I mentioned before, having that experience as uh, as a kid, like an elementary schooler of not being able to eat something and then the floodgates opening up with food. Suddenly I was finding myself in that same place again, except I was terrified because in this case it was tied to body size and loss of control and perfection and all of these concepts that I couldn't even articulate at the time, but was experiencing that. And so from there, um, it was pretty tumultuous on and off all through high school, uh, the restrict binge cycle, and now purging was incorporated into that. So off and on through high school into college, um, I struggled with bulimia. Um, in college, my mom is a dental hygienist, and one of the things that I was terrified with when I was purging all the time was my teeth because it was it was a highly coveted uh, body part in our family just because my mom was a dental hygienist. And so we just had a lot of conversations around teeth and the aesthetics of dental hygiene and things like that. And my mom cleaned my teeth my entire life. And I also knew that uh, purging led to a lot of a lot of uh, tooth decay and just different things coming up orally. And so in college, um, she did find out, she did, she did notice when I was getting my teeth clean one time, she just happened to notice. Um, and my secret was out. It was the first time that I felt like my cover was blown and all of a sudden that loss of control was, was gone again. Um, and at the same time, there was so much relief not having that secret anymore. So from there, it was in and out of therapy for the next couple of years. Um, and just really struggling with, with body and with food and this constant restrict healthy eating cycle that led to binging and, you know, on and off purging all into, all into, uh, my young adulthood and after college. So I landed a job in the fashion industry. That was my major in college. Um, and wasn't fully recovered with my eating disorder and disordered eating at that point by any means. If anything, it kind of perpetuated this new phase, this next level phase. And this was also when the wellness industry was really starting to, to come into play and become, become a trend. Like I remember I worked for, I worked for anthropology and I remember when I was in the process of leaving that company, um, I was on the buying team and we were, we were starting to buy athleisure. And I remember we were buying like yoga mats and, um, and like headbands and things. And I was like, what is this? What, like, why would anybody buy, buy this? This was way before like, uh, Lululemon was really popular or any of those things. And so I had no idea that it was going to take off, but simultaneously it was, it was kind of feeding into my disordered eating. Um, I was, also experiencing this uh, almost orthorexic behavior around food where it wasn't all, it wasn't, uh, my binges weren't pizza and burgers and, and chips and salsa. Uh, it was really turning into like pans of vegetables and smoothies and um, almost using food as medicine, like that approach to 
quote unquote heal my eating disorder. Um, but essentially it led into just healthy eating in unhealthy ways. And so it's pretty crazy. I'll wrap this story up because I know it's getting long, but it it is just, it's always evolving. And the final chapter with it was I, I hit my rock bottom. I went back into treatment to really heal this, uh, like try to make the final attempt at healing it. And I was also in this place where I was looking at food as medicine. And so I went back to uh, get a certification in health coaching. I didn't even know if I wanted to do that or not, but it was becoming my life. And so I felt like, all right, well, maybe I can use this and, and help others. And I loved it. I loved working with other women. I loved helping them find healthy versions of living their life and feel better, feeling better in their bodies and all these things. But I was absolutely struggling with binging behind the scenes. And there was so much shame. There was so much shame around binging on protein bars and peanut butter and like I said, trays of vegetables and giant smoothies and all of these things that I was putting on Instagram as like, this is my healthy breakfast. But the secret was I was eating just way too much of it and feeling so uncomfortable in my body. Um, and I reached a breaking point where again, where I realized that I just, it, I wasn't, I wasn't totally healed with my relationship with food. I still had more work that needed to be done. And I was also struggling with a lot of anxiety and, um, just so much shame and perfection and all of these things. And so I, <laughs> I went to a therapist and before I even, before I even went to the, my first appointment, I remember sitting in the car and I remember saying, I don't need this. I can figure this out on my own. I don't, I don't need to get professional support with this. There are so many resources out there. And I just put my head on the steering wheel and I thought I've been bootstrapping this for years. I can't keep trying to do this on my own. And why am I so resistant to asking for support? Why am I so resistant to getting the help that I need? Um, as a professional and because I was, I had a, a health coaching business at that time and I just threw my hands up. I went to my first therapy session and from there it was like a snowball effect. I, I found intuitive eating at that point. Um, I just dove in head first with all of the intuitive resources that I could. I, got my certification as a intuitive eating counselor, really started incorporating those principles into my work. Um, but first, before I even started doing that, really was incorporating it into my life and, and just found this relationship with food that was so different than anything that I had ever tried on before. And really, for the first time, realized that it has a very little to do with food, in fact. Um, and and so, yeah, that, that really led to the work that I do today and, and where I am now. And I'm happy to share more about where I am now, but that's, that's a, uh, that's my story. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, Caitlin. Um, I know that a lot of our listeners can probably just relate to at least one part of that and uh, learn so much from you. Um, and it's interesting, you know, as you were talking towards the end there, just talking about the the shame involved with the, the shame that you felt around being a health practitioner and having these struggles. And I'm just so glad you shared that because um, there is so much pressure, right? That as someone who's in a field of like health or nutrition, you know, that we have all the answers all the time and we do everything perfectly. And that's not always the case. You know, I love that you started out your story saying, we're, you know, you're still on a journey. And I totally agree with that. You know, you're still on a journey and learning and to have this mindset of just being open to, you know, just what's next for me. And, you know, I think that's so such a wisdom to have. So yeah. yeah. 
Thanks. Yeah, it it really is when we can dismantle that perfection. Mm. There is so much power. There's so much power as women to just connect and support and lift each other up in that way and for us to really um make an impact in in the world whether that's in our own families or our professions or um something different but that's that's really what my platform is now really helping women reconnect with their bodies their relationships with food and letting go of the shame and the perfection and the uh the judgment that we experience on the daily mm-hmm. what do you feel like caitlin really helped you i just it, it, in listening to your story it's it's interesting to see like the chronology of it all and how there was it wasn't like there was this one moment but kind of this season of life um middle school which is was similar for me too and how it started off innocently and then how it just all like snowballed into mm-hmm you know, first restricting and then the restrict binge cycle and the bulimia. And then, then what you said, which is, I think important to talk about too, is the binging and orthorexia Mm. side of things. And then coming, coming through and, and finding some healing, but then not fully getting there and even helping other women, like Victoria was talking about helping other women and, and working in that field, but then realizing like you still needed more help, um, and then finding intuitive eating. What do you, and all of that, cause that's a long time to struggle. And I know like the longer that we struggle with anything, the longer it takes to heal and mm-hmm. to break those patterns that we've built. So what do you feel like for you going to back to my question, uh, really was really helped you break free from those patterns that you had built up for so long? Mm, such a great question. I mean, there's so many, there's so much nuance to this question because there's so many things. And I appreciate you saying the seasons because I, I think we all have seasons too. You know, I, I, I think that that's a part of our story. And so, um, it's important to, to acknowledge that, but there absolutely the first thing that came to mind, I, I'll just speak from that uh, to get started, is really the self-care component, which honestly, as we all know, as as intuitive eating practitioners, that's the epicenter for intuitive eating. But I call it radical self-care um, in a way that really allows allows people to express it for themselves. And so my version of self-care looks different from yours, looks different from the person sitting next to us, right? And it's really how we set boundaries for ourselves, how we prioritize um, happiness in our life and expression in our life and and also just rest and getting into a rhythm of constantly asking, how am I feeling and what do I need? So for so much of my life, I was so hyper-focused on my body size and the food that I was eating to control body size. There was no room for self-care. There was no, you know, I, I was highly driven and I still am, but I had all of these goals that I felt like I was constantly procrastinating on because I couldn't, I couldn't get past this um, tremendous amount of mental energy around food in my body all the time. And so it just felt like so much to carry and I didn't know how to take care of myself. And I didn't really know, um, how important that was to just have those emotional and mental practices built into my everyday routine. So that, that was huge. The second thing I would say is acknowledging the restrict binge cycle and getting super clear that this is what happens. Binging is almost always going to happen if you're restricting, almost always. Um, and in my case, it was either tied to restriction or it was a t- it was tied to um, lack of self care. And 
when I talk about emotional eating and things like that, it was really being stuck in this cycle of, I can't even tell what I'm feeling right now. And so I'm just going to eat to comfort me and the shame around that. And even in, in this space, um, you know, there's so much shame around emotional eating. And I, I always like to just be very upfront that it's, there is no shame in emotional eating, but you don't have to be stuck in that at the same time. You don't have to feel constantly confused um, by that emotional eating relationship. And there are plenty of other tools to use beyond food and food can still be a tool to use from time to time. And so it's the relationship that we have with ourselves in that sense. So really building in some practices for eating more consistently, eating a variety of foods that really filled me up, filled me up, and also being more in touch with um, food as self-care too. So really meeting my emotional needs of what food do I actually need today to, based on the day? Um, that's something I like to teach clients a lot too. looking at your schedule, looking at just your day and seeing, okay, how am I feeling? What do I need? If I have, if I have five clients back to back, I, I know that there are certain foods that are going to give me the energy and the sustenance to really get through that day and be so much more, uh, mentally available for them than others. Then you know, really slow weekend morning or something like that. And so just, just having the variety of, of food to, to build in at certain times too. Hmm. I love that you're talking about self-care. I was actually just talking with a a client yesterday and our conversation didn't start off with self-care, but in, in the route of starting to talk about food and body image, it led to self-care and like how that is such a root of healing one's relationship with their body and food. Because like you mentioned, you didn't have that mental energy to focus on taking care of yourself. So like, that's one aspect when we get so caught up in the need or, you know, trying to control our health or our bodies, our sizes is we don't like, we're just focused on that. And that is what makes our decisions. It's not like, what am I feeling today? Therefore, what do I need? It's, well, it doesn't matter how I feel because I have to follow this plan. Um, So like that kind of taints our decision or like motivates us. But I feel like also when like you had, uh, I heard you talking on another podcast about uh, when you were letting go, you know, you had been in bulimia and you basically had totally lost touch with feeling full and yeah. I think when once in, in disorder eating, whether it's an eating disorder or disordered relationship with food, oftentimes, most of the time you lose connection with how your body feels inside, whether that's hunger or fullness or satiety, or even like what foods you like. And I think that goes back to when we're so focused on food as medicine or fuel or uh, as a tool to obtain a certain body size, we really tune out our internal cues and not like sometimes intentionally, but sometimes not as well. Sometimes it's just a byproduct. And that's where the self-care piece comes in because for self-care to happen, you have to slow down long enough to, like you said, tune in and see what does your body need on a given day in a given moment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's like so many layers to that as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, yeah, there are so many layers. And honestly, when when we're talking about this question, I yeah, I feel like I had to do a complete overhaul and rebuild of my relationship with food and my body from the ground up because I had lost touch. I had spent most of my life either restricting, binging, disconnected, completely focused on the external, what I should be doing versus what, what I intuitively knew I needed to do and connecting with my feeling of my body. Um, yeah, I, I totally lost touch of, of fullness and hunger, um, because I was just caught up in that cycle for so long and and all of the things that you just mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember saying at the beginning of my healing was, or not even the beginning at stages, 
It was like, I feel like I have to learn how to eat all over again. Yeah, totally. Totally. So if anyone listening feels that way and they're in this journey of intuitive eating, you're not alone. Like that is a very, we know how to eat. Like we're born knowing how to eat. And as, I mean, maybe, yeah, we don't know like the gentle nutrition side of it, but like we, we know how to listen to our bodies and stop, you know, eat when we're hungry, stop when we're full. But with the rules and the messages in our culture and things, you know, if we develop certain patterns then sometimes we forget how to tune into those biological and emotional cues that we do have. Totally. You know, that kind of goes back to what we were just saying about um, the shame in being a health coach. You know, here I was a health coach where I was coaching other, other people on how to live healthy lives. And I was so disconnected from my body at the same time without even realizing it because it was so, so focused on the external. And um, I'm, I'm just really, I'm really passionate about opening up that conversation as well too, because, you know, a lot of the women that I coach today would never consider themselves dieters are the healthy eaters in the group are really, you know, tapped into nutrition, high levels of nutrition, but are still feeling either that severe preoccupation with food and are just totally burnt out by it or that secret restrict binge cycle um, around healthy food specifically. And so it, it really is, it, it opens up a, a lot of dialogue when we can just be very clear that there's a lot of health practitioners who struggle with that. There's a lot of people who, who are struggling with that. And there's so much shame that's really limiting that conversation. So mm-hmm. It's important to talk about. Yeah. So, so important. And um, I know, you know, you kind of alluded to this or, or mentioned this, that, that binge that you said before that, you know, anyone who restricts like 99% of the time, it, turns into a binge at some time, right? Because that's our body's natural response to restriction. And so, yeah, do you mind like talking a little bit about that? And, yes, uh, absolutely. Just I like, love- maybe you could highlight some, some on, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with that and, and maybe they have a similar story to you where it's not the quote junk food <laughs> that they're binging on. Maybe it is, but um, mm-hmm. the story is still the same, you know, whether you're binging on uh, you know, junk food or quote healthy food, right? So yeah. Yeah, totally. Let's, let's talk about the term binging just to get, yeah, let's start yes, there and talk about that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like, people are like, oh, I don't binge. Maybe there's a lot of confusion that. around it. Yeah. And so it, it's funny because, um, and I actually, I, so I'm formally trained trained under Evelyn Trivoli, who's the author of Intuitive Eating. I think that you guys are as well. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in a session with her one time, I actually asked this question. I said, you know, I use the term binge a lot in, in my content, um, because a lot of women can identify with that when in fact, it's not, it's not a true definition of Mm. a binge, Um, and so I asked her, you know, how would you actually say that? Like what word, what word choice would you use to be accurate, but also, um, speak to the woman who's struggling with this. And she came up with something really great. And she said, I would call it loss of control eating. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, I, I, I thought, yeah, like that's, that's totally it. And so it really is, it's this feeling of being out of control, like how to having this out of control experience where you just feel like you can't stop and you're totally disconnected to your hunger and your fullness cues and even your, um, the satisfaction that comes with food. And really it's eating just to eat. And this can look, this can look, uh, very differently. This could be by yourself on the couch. This could be standing up in your pantry. This could be at dinner with friends where you're just talking and eating and eating and eating. And it's kind of all working together. And you're having that inner dialogue going on in your head of, Oh my gosh, like I shouldn't do this. I can't stop all of these things. Um, and, and so that's really what I'm speaking to when I talk about 
binging, you know, just that perpetual desire to keep eating and feeling like you can't stop when in reality, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the times when I'm working with a, a client and we'll talk about, um, Hey, I binged, what do I do? We actually get clear on that and take a step back and look at all the facts because most of the time it's not a, it's, it's not a tried and true binge. It's actually just overeating because you were under eating before. And it's just, it's just too much food that feels uncomfortable and feeling and eating past the point of being comfortably full. And so there are so many different, um, so many different variations to this, but that being said, just because you're not a diagnosed binge eater, does not mean that you don't deserve support because mm-hmm. living a life where you are are struggling with eating past fullness and feeling uncomfortably uncomfortable in your body all the time and the preoccupation that goes along with that that is so exhausting and believe me if anybody knows that it's me it's so exhausting mm-hmm. um does does that even answer the question <laughs> yes 100% and i'm so glad that you just shed light on that, that, you know, um, first of all, that, you know, the definition of what binge eating is, that it's that feeling of just out of control eating, but also that, you know, there's, there can be some differences between just eating, like, until you're uncomfortably full, like, you know, oftentimes we do on Thanksgiving, right? (laughs) Versus like a true uh, binge, but neither one is worthy or unworthy of getting support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think this is something that Victoria and I have talked a lot about is the, you know, well, so I had a diagnosed eating disorder and I got help and that's part of my story. And so that's what I talk about, but there are so many women and people in general who don't have a quote unquote diagnosed eating disorder but that doesn't, but there are still so many people who have a disordered relationship with food or a chaotic relationship with food. And anyone who, who feels guilt or shame or feels like food has taken over their life or you know, body image struggles or exercise are deserving of help. It's kind of like, you don't need to be in a terrible situation to see a therapist. You can see a therapist if you just feel like you need to talk. And it's the same with a relationship with food too. And I, yeah, that word binge, I think, you know, I don't even, sometimes I don't even like to say like, oh, I binged like watching TV for some reason. I just, I don't know if you guys feel that way, but um, anyways, well, it's, it's kind of just thrown around in our culture. It's thrown around and it's, you know, again, like going back to actually writing content or or actually using that word when we're speaking, so many people identify with it, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it is interesting because, um, you know, I'm very familiar with binging, like just the definition of binging, eating a, an unusually large amount of food, usually in secret in a specific amount of time. Like that's the, that's the definition. That's the, uh, that's like a textbook diagnosis of, of binge eating disorder. Um, but there are, there are plenty of times still today where I eat past fullness and the difference is now I acknowledge it and I move on from it and I don't let it weigh on me. I don't let it preoccupy me. Um, and it, it actually doesn't even happen that often anymore because I, I have so many other tools in my toolkit that really support my relationship with food now. And there are so many other things in my life that have nothing to do with food that are filling me up in different ways. But yeah, of course, eating fast fullness. I I, I also hate when we talk about intuitive eating as like the hunger fullness. Mm -hmm. It's like the only, um, it's like the only thing that's important in intuitive eating. And it's so not, it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's a good place to start for a lot of people because it's, I think that feeling of fullness can perpetuate a lot of mental anxiety, but there are so many other things to talk about as well too. And, uh, 
and yeah, it's just one of the many principles mm. or two, two of the many principles rather. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, something about like, or you mentioned talking to clients about, you know, like, okay, I binged now what, what would you say to someone who's like, maybe they binge frequently or occasionally, like, what do you do if you do end up feeling like you binged and what's that like now what? Mm-hmm. I love this question. I always say, get curious. Mm. Um, yeah. And I always, I always empower with my clients with the fact that we each have a unique equation and your equation for your relationship with food is is so important and it also is a really good compass for um, just foundational tools to check in with throughout the day. So let's say that you did binge or that's the word choice that you're using and you're feeling mm-hmm. like all of that guilt and anxiety and shame and judgment and also that fear of, oh gosh, like is something else going to happen? Am I going to, you know, binge at my next meal or planning out restricting the next meal or whatnot? All of the the preoccupation is starting to come up. So even before going there, just acknowledge just being in that moment of, okay, this happened. Let's just lay the cards on the table and get really crystal clear about what's going on here. So first of all, what was happening before I binged? Um, Let's say that it's, but let's say that it's the afternoon. This is when a lot of binges happen for, for women that I work with and just in my community. So like 3 PM, 4 PM after a stressful day, whether it's at your desk, whether it's coming home from work in your car, whether that's getting home in your pantry, things like that. How hungry are you? First of all, did you skip a snack? Did you eat enough lunch? Did you skip breakfast? So were there any restrictive patterns going on in the day? Not to judge, putting judgment completely to the side, doing this exercise from pure observation and curiosity, but just noticing, okay, how did I nourish my body today? Were there any, were there any periods where I was not getting the adequate nutrients that I needed through the day? And just because you're eating doesn't mean that it's not restrictive. Are you eating enough food during the day as as well as just um, consistently throughout the day too? And that really goes back to just balancing blood sugar in general and, and getting yourself to a place where you can make choices um, around the foods that you're eating from a, from a more empowered place. So getting clear on that and then going into, well, how am I feeling? What happened today? Did anything trigger me? Was there a project at work that I was procrastinating on because I, I was scared of failing on it or I was scared of turning it in? And you know, usually when there's procrastination, it's it's because it's tied to that fear of of judgment or failure, and it's tied to perfection. So, was anything going on there? Did I get a call from somebody or? Did anything set me off emotionally from an individual in my life? Do I have something that I'm walking into in the evening that I that I'm feeling uncomfortable with? Um, but really, just getting a snapshot of what is going on in your life in that moment that's triggering any uh, any of the emotions that are coming up for you. And then also, how are you eating your food too? So when the binge happened, where were you? Were you in your car? Were you in your pantry? Were you at your desk? And then knowing what you know now, again, no judgment, observation, what would you have done differently? Moving forward, how would you have chosen to do that differently? Um, you know, this this isn't a an all or nothing uh, tool, but I, I love recommending non-distracted eating to clients. Um, as a tool to just practice as often as possible to give you that intention around meals and snacks. And so just sitting down, turning off your computer and being present with your food when you can um, to give you the opportunity to really check in with your body cues and and also just the pleasure with food too, the pleasure with eating and and experiencing that. So yeah, I, I hope that helps. There's there's so many layers to that, but the the main takeaway is just get curious, be an observer mm. in your life at that time, and and really take a an honest look at what are what's going on because usually there's 
there are other components to the binge that we don't even acknowledge. Yeah. And I love that you, you know, those are my favorite things, no curiosity without judgment. And, um, as opposed to a lot of times what I know people kind of turn to, which again, no shame for this either, but something to just think about is they turn to restricting again, right? Mm -hmm. Because they feel guilty. And so getting rid of that shame, just like we get rid of shame around uh, food and we, you know, work on seeing all foods as, as on an even playing field. Um, There's no shame with, with binging either. And so just kind of like, I love that, you know, get curious, ask questions um, and just get back to, just get back to eating. Don't, you know, go on and restrict again. Cause that just perpetuates the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always one of my favorite wins when I'm working mm-hmm. with a client at the be- usually at the beginning of our, our relationship together, but th- bumps are to be expected, especially mm-hmm. the first couple of months in your journey, you're going to hit bumps. Usually when I work with a client, it's, great for like the first three weeks and then they hit their first bump and it feels like a major setback, but it's absolutely part of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we can't grow unless we're uncomfortable. And so that's just a, that's the first time where we really get to put our hats on and get curious and learn. Um, but I get so excited when I have a client who shares with me, oh my gosh, I hit a bump. I, I overate, or if they use the word binged, but I didn't restrict. I, Mm. I, I knew in my mind, I was planning on not eating and I gave myself permission to just have breakfast the next day or, um, you know, have the next meal, whatever, whatever that looks like for them. So that's a, that's always a big point of celebration. Mm. Yeah. Cause going back to you know, like, like we've been saying, usually the overeating is a actual biological response. Yeah. It's not, it's not that you failed. Cause I think that's, that's the emotional reaction that we have. Like, Oh no, I failed or not we, but you know, if you're in that situation, um, or that cycle and it's not that you failed, it's not that you didn't have discipline, literally it's your body's biological response to like those questions you, you have them ask is, did I eat enough throughout the day? Did I eat enough the day before? Have I been fueling myself? And that's one component of it. And so if you go back the next day to restricting, then again, you're setting yourself up to overeat because your body needs fuel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's survival and it's, um, that's why it's, it's also really, I love talking about this with, with my community too, but just, uh, timed eating and intermittent fasting and all of these different Mm -hmm. like external things that we're using right now that are really limiting that ability to eat consistently. It's just, it's setting us up for disaster because it's really limiting our body's ability to, uh, just have gas in the tank essentially, right? You can't drive your car on empty. And if you don't have enough food, it, it really is going to limit what I mentioned before, like those empowered choices around what Mm -hmm. food is going to serve you the best. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Amen. Well, this is a question, um, a, a little off, but I think I'd love to kind of close this out here is, you know, thinking back to little Caitlin, young Caitlin, when this all started, what would you love to tell her? Oh, so many things. <laughs> I actually don't know if anybody's ever asked me this before. Oh, I would love to tell her um, that you're enough. You're enough. And don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many other things to life. Um than our, than our bodies. And yeah. I just love thinking about a little mini Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you were the cutest kid. Oh my gosh. I, (laughs) my dad actually sent me a box of pictures. So my family lives in Florida and he sent me a box of pictures like right before COVID hit. And Oh my gosh. I actually couldn't open the box for like about a month because it was just emotional. And yeah, it was all from my childhood. And I remember one night just finally opening the box on my bed and like crying. And because there is, you know, there is, 
so many emotions tied to seeing um, seeing your younger self if mm-hmm. you've gone on a journey like this before. And th- this box has pictures from all of these stages in my life. And especially wow. if you've ever struggled with mm-hmm. uh, disordered eating from like a young age or just different phases in your life, like we were saying before, it has so many memories attached. And that's mm-hmm. also one of the reasons why this is my mission now, because your life doesn't have to be attached to body. And, you know, now I have, I I have so many pictures that I take with my husband and my friends and just trips and things that I can look back on. And it's just totally detached from body size or what diet I was on or what I was eating or if I was purging or, you know, all of these other things. And, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's the beauty and all that to say, like, I had a great childhood. There were so many other beautiful parts of my childhood. I come from a really amazing family and I'm just so incredibly grateful, but that was hard. You know, there, there are a lot of memories that I have that are attached to my internal struggles when I look at pictures like that. And so it's, uh, it also lights a fire under me to keep going with this work Mm -hmm. for for where I am now and also all the other incredible women that I get to support. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. Uh, We always love to ask this one question um, to all of our guests and interesting to hear what everyone, everyone's perspective, but we're all about balance, but not in the, you know, what a lot of people think of balance necessarily. We really want to reclaim this word um, as well as wellness and just health in general. So what does balanced wellness mean to you? Mm, Balanced wellness. Balanced wellness really means introspection Mm -hmm. and and taking care of yourself emotionally and mentally as well as physically too and really leading with that those two questions that i had mentioned before how am i feeling and what do i need if you can get in the habit of using that just throughout your day around what you're eating who you're spending time with how you're working um where you're just putting your energy throughout the day it really brings you to a place of being more connected with with yourself and essentially allows you to be stronger for the people that you show up for in your life and the work that you do in your life and all of those all of those things and so if you can just start with yourself first before all of the the bells and the whistles and just ask those two questions it's it's a great place to feel more balanced throughout the day. Mm, I love that answer. Oh, so good. it's just like so amazing to hear everybody's different responses. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about you? Where are all the places? All of the places. So you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name at Caitlin.Parsons. Um, I have a podcast as well too called The Modern Girl Podcast. And uh, both of you are our guests on that as well mm. too. But this is, oh, I love this part of the work that I do and just sitting down and really um, hearing women's stories around their body image and their relationship with food and also the work that they're doing now has been so fun. Uh, my website kind of links me to everything. I have a blog there. I have uh, a Pinterest account that I use for intuitive eating and all of the things. Um, and then if if you're interested in hearing other podcasts that I've been on, just search Caitlin Parsons in iTunes and there's a host of things that come up. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. I know Catherine and I were so just, we, you know, such a great conversation. And I know our audience, our listeners are just going to really appreciate everything. uh, I'm learning from you. Yeah, this is, this is so much fun. And I'm always just so humbled to have the opportunity to share this story so vulnerably. And just to close this out for anybody who's listening to this, Um, if this is emotional for you to hear, if this was hard for you to hear, if you feel triggered by this, I'm sending you so much love. I'm here to support you. I know that these ladies are too. And I just like saying that because sometimes it is sometimes hearing somebody's story just really strikes a chord. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I just want to send you some love wherever you are on your journey. And also if, if you're just feeling like 
totally lit up on fire. I'm celebrating that for you too. And just all of the incredible uh, women you have in your community and just people in general, women, mm -hmm. men, everyone. Perfect way to Thank end you it. So much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you guys. That's our show. Thank you to our producer, Stephanie Olea, our show manager, Shayla Anderson, and our incredible guest. If you want to stay connected and learn more about our guest today, click the show notes of this episode. And if this conversation resonated with you, please share it with a friend or leave a review so that we can continue to destigmatize these important conversations around our relationship with food and body and spread inspiration to more women. One last thing, please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can save time and stay on top of each new episode every week. I'm sending you so much love, confidence, and strength. Talk to you soon.